Guys, open your Bibles with me to James chapter 5. This morning we're hitting the pause button on our study through the book of Acts today and actually next week too because going to a pastor's leaders conference this week with my family down in Southern California, come back and be able to have a few days without having to rush back into studying and preparing again. Got Tim Brown from Calvary Fremont's going to be sharing the word next week. Really looking forward to that. But we're going to look at a study today I've titled Learning from the Farmer, the Prophets, and Job. Learning from the Farmer, the Prophets, and Job. Our main text is James 5, verses 7 through 11. And this, this past Thursday night at our men's fellowship, and those men fellowship, men's fellowship were, a, were a, a real blessing over the last two months. Uh, Josh Dean shared a great word with all the guys from Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. And one of the things that continued to stick with me since then was how Paul in that section prayed for the believers to be strengthened with all might according to God's glorious power. He said, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. And, and just the, that thought of how we need the Lord's power to have that patient endurance in our own lives. But as I prepared for our study in Acts chapter 24 this week, I, I started looking after Thursday night, I started looking at that account through the lens that Paul had that patient endurance as he went through everything he was going through. And, and then that reminded me of something that James wrote in his short little letter, things that Paul exemplified in his life and ministry that I felt would be a great source of equipping and encouragement for us before we get into Acts chapter 24 in, in two weeks and see how Paul patiently endured in Caesarea before uh, this corrupt governor, Felix. So we're going to consider some things James wrote this morning as we seek to learn from the farmer, the prophets, and Job of how we can be farmers and prophets and... No, just, just kidding. Uh, so with that in mind... Well, let's start reading by uh, let, let's start by reading James five verses seven through nine. We're going to be exhorted here to be patient like the farmer. James five verse seven, he says, "Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand." Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As James begins to wrap up this letter on the heels of rebuking the wealthy who were oppressing and taking advantage of the believers, and in light of what the believers were experiencing at that time, all the injustices that were taking place against them, in verse 7, James says to be patient until the coming of the Lord. And that word patient there speaks of being even-tempered while enduring trying circumstances. You know, patience isn't really required when you have instant gratification. Like, we need patience at the times where our patience is tested. Right? I don't really have to be patient. If it just... 
happens. It just works out. The thing falls into place. Like, I don't really have to have patience. I don't really have to be even tempered even because it just happens. But man, do we need patience when we're enduring trying circumstances. And, you know, we don't want to have patience. If we're being honest, we don't really... And, and some of us might not even pray for patience at times because in our minds, maybe we're thinking if I pray for patience, then God's going to put me in a situation where I'm going to need to have patience. If I pray for patience, he's going to allow a situation in my life where patience is going to be a necessity. And, and I really don't want that. So I'm just not going to pray that God makes me a patient person at all maybe i should pray the opposite maybe if i pray for god to make me an impatient person it's like reverse psychology no it doesn't work with the lord so james says be patient until the coming of the lord and this just reminds us that james along with all the other apostles believed in the imminent the soon return of Jesus Christ for his church. This is a, a doctrine we find in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, which we call the rapture of the church. He says, be patient until the coming of the Lord. And then he gives an example of patience in the farmer who has to wait for the precious fruit of the earth. You know, there's a lot of different physically demanding jobs and risky jobs in the sense of, you know, uncertain results and payoff. But one of the more physically demanding, exhausting, difficult, risky, uncertain jobs is the job of being a farmer. And maybe not as much today as it was, you know, 100 years ago or even 2,000 years ago in James's day. But have you ever watched the TV show Little House on the Prairie before? It's such a great show. Pa is just a stud. Ma's is strong, godly woman. Like, they just rad, godly people. They love the Lord. Pa would, like, beat a dude up if he was, like, you know, threatening someone in the town, you know, like... He, you know, his family's having a hard time. He's going traveling, like, to go get a job, like, putting dynamite in rocks, and his buddy gets blown up. It's, it's a crazy show. There's action, romance, family, drama. It's like a dramedy action D, you know, when they're trying to combine words together to describe something. Anyways, we'll work it out. But Paul was a farmer among other things. And, you know, if, if you watch that show, and this is obviously said in a time that's not modern, uh, he had some hard times because of the crops and harvesting. And, you know, but clearly, not just from the stories of Laura Ingalls Wilder, but, you know, that's the story, that was the the reality for farmers throughout the centuries who would invest all their money and time and energy into a field and seeds and tilling the ground, many times to have their crops 
wiped out by bad storms and, and, a, and a drought and, and a bunch of other things that were outside of the farmer's control. You know, to be a farmer, not that I'm speaking from firsthand experience, my only experience farming is like our little garden box we have on the side of our house, but we've like gotten the plants after it's already sprouted. I don't like to do it from the seed. It just, there's no, it's just in the ground. What's happening under there? I can't even see the things. It's going to take longer, right? Like if I just get in, it's already kind of like six to 12 inches. Like my jalapenos are going to grow faster. I'm going to get them quicker. That's the kind of farming I like. I go to the store and I pick it up. No, anyways. But to be a farmer, you have to have patience. You can't force seeds to grow. You can't force the early and latter rains to come and soften the soil at just the right time in the year. And then later, help your seeds to mature and grow and flourish at just the right time. You just have to keep working the ground and be patient and wait for the seasons to come and go with the rain so you can get to that time of harvesting when the precious fruit is finally ready. You know, I've been thinking about this aspect of kind of the farming example that we see in Scripture. I mean, even Paul writes to Timothy and he says, he tells him to, to, to be like the farmer, a hardworking farmer that the hardworking farmer is the first to partake of the crops after talking about how he needs to be a soldier and to be like the athlete. He uses the farmer as the third sort of example. Think about this example and what we've coined in sort of the more modern times that we call it church planting. Planting is this sort of farming element. And how hard it can be at times, how much things can change. A, a drought can come. A pandemic can come. And all of a sudden, like, man, two years ago, before the pandemic, this looked completely different. All of us looked completely different. We were two years younger then. Man, did we look great. I had more hair then. No, but it was different. Things change. Things out of our control, just like the farmer. We have no control over it. All we can do is be faithful and keep tilling the ground, keep planting and watering seeds. We see the landscape of our country change. Things that are out of our control. We can be good citizens. We can vote. We can call senators and congressmen and our assemblymen. We can do all those things. We can try to do all the right things. But there are things that are outside of our control. We can only control us. I can't control the millions of other people who are maybe voting differently than me. When I'm on the freeway, I can control my car. I can't control the other cars that are trying to like bump into my car. Do you know what I mean? Like there's stuff that's just always out of our control. There's always this aspect to life where, where we are just, we're going with it. And we're trying to do what God's calling us to do. We want to be the people that God's called us to be. But there's this farming sort of dynamic to life and to ministry. And we're trying to 
to navigate all of that. And then a storm comes and a drought comes and the seed doesn't seem to really be sprouting like we want it to sprout. It's not really growing the way that we want it to grow. And it can be discouraging. It can be disheartening. And I'm sure I'm not alone in this. You guys that have been around for a while, it's not just me that's looking out and going, man, this is weird. What the heck happened? Everyone else thinks the same thing. Like, what happened? What's going on? We're outside for 23 months and we come back in thinking, oh man, people maybe that have left will come. There's people that wanted to come once we were inside. Those people didn't come. Where are they? I mean, I'm just being real. I'm not like condemning them, but like in my heart, it's like, what's God saying to me? You need to be more in control, Jared. You need to have more control. You need to be making things happen. No, it's out of my control. What is he saying? What's he saying to me? What's he saying to you? Be patient. Keep working. To be patient and to keep working? Well, that just... Give me some more instruction, Lord. I'm coming again. You're like, oh, cool. You're not even saying, like, if I'm patient and I keep working, it's all going to work out and the crop's going to go. The church is going to grow. Hundreds of people are going to get saved this year. Like, he's not giving me any, he's not giving you any of that certainty here. He's going, keep working. Be patient. I'm coming. Do you need more reward? Do you need more incentive? Do you need more encouragement than to know that the Lord is coming again? There's not a greater promise to be given in this section of Scripture. And the cool thing is he says it more than once. He says the coming of the Lord is in it. What does he say? The, the judge, the coming of the Lord is in hand. And he goes, the judge is standing at the door. He's just on the other side of the door. He's just waiting to open the door. He's just waiting to come in the clouds. He's just waiting to have the trumpet blown. And we're all caught up in an instant in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Like He's just waiting. He has a plan. The reason he's waiting is not because he's a slacker. Second Peter, Peter tells us it's because he's wanting more people to be saved. His desire is that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. What does that mean for us? Keep working. Keep being patient. We can't control the rain. We can't control the seed. We can't control the soil. I can't force the seed of God's word in the soil of someone's heart to grow. Right? Paul in 1 Corinthians, he goes, I planted... Paulus watered, both are needed. It says, but the Lord caused the increase. What made it grow? It wasn't Paul. It wasn't Apollos. It was the Lord. We think about all that's going on right now in our day. The changing. It's always changing. Any of you guys not like change? Only a couple of you. The rest of you are like, let's change all the time. Every day, let's get something new. I want to wake up and my house is gone. I want to wake up the next day and it's back. Wake up, my car is gone. Oh, it's stolen. (laughs) 
we don't want that kind of change. Like change, I could change my wardrobe each day, change my toothpaste, change my toothbrush, I could change the meals. It's all changing all the time. And there's so much that's out of our control, but we're reminded here that there are things in the midst of all the change and all the midst of all the stuff that is out of our control, there are things that you and I that that are supposed to be constants in our lives, in the midst of all the change. And we're reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew 9. Verses 36 through 38, as he was teaching and preaching and he's healing in all the cities and villages. It says this, Matthew 9, verses 36 through 38. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I think it's easier to stay home. Right? Because the harvest is hard. The field is hard. The ground is hard. It doesn't take long living in the Bay Area. Look around, soil people's hearts, the sort of the spiritual climate, dry, arid, drought-like conditions. (laughs) We need a radical outpouring of the Spirit of God here. We need a softening. But we but it's just so hard. It's so dry. And it's easier to just say, Lord, send other people. I've been here. I've been working. I've been planting seed. I've been watering seed. Just it's still dry. Still hard. The work is vast. Right? Jesus is noting that. It's plentiful. What does plentiful mean? There's a lot of it. There's a lot of ground here. There's a lot of people here. There's a lot of people all around us. They're dying and going to hell for all of eternity. We don't go, well, you know, that's what they deserved, I guess. That's what they... I mean, I shared with them. Other people have shared with them. No, that should break our hearts. We should be mourning, weeping before the Lord, broken. It's plentiful. I don't think Jesus said this with a smile on his face. The harvest is plentiful. Right before this, it says he was moved to compassion. People are sheep without a shepherd. He wasn't going around going, you dumb sheep. Don't you see I'm right here? He was broken for lost people. We're to be broken for lost people. The the work is vast. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And the laborers are getting more and more few. We're going to have centralized, like, Christian areas in our country. People navigate and gravitate to different areas we need workers here we need laborers here this harvest field here it might be dry it might be arid it might be hard packed soil there's all kinds of obstacles but it's worth it 
It's worth it because Jesus loves these people here. He loves them. He died for them. We've been called into the family business of working in the fields of this world, planting and watering seeds of the word of God, the soil of people's hearts. He wants to send us, send us into the field, to send us to our neighbors, to send us to our coworkers, to send us to our friends and family members who maybe we've shared with for years and years. Don't give up. Be patient. Keep working. God's got us. You know, the thing about farming is it could take a while to see anything grow. That's why I said I don't like the seed part. Just give me the plant that's already at Home Depot and it's ready to go. Just pop it in the ground, a little fertilizer. It may even have something on it already. That's even more special, right? There's already a tomato on there. Bonus. This thing's ready to go. Put it in the ground. Tomorrow I'm going to have some great stuff on my avocado toast or whatever your thing is. Like, like I'm going to have some great stuff. I'm putting basil on there. It's already leaves. But we, we, we do it. We're in here. We're, we're here. We're trying to work. We're trying to be patient. And then what happens when we don't see the results that we want to see? We get discouraged and frustrated. We might be frustrated at the Lord. We might be frustrated at the people that the Lord's called us to reach with his gospel. And then we have to like repent of our frustration because we realize that no one's going to want Jesus when we're just frustrated with them. He wants to use us though. But I think there's another aspect here for us, a just spiritual application, is that God's the farmer too. And we're his field. And there's a soil of our hearts that he's concerned with. And there is this really important part of us being laborers that in order for us to be the equipped, ready, prepared sort of laborers that have the right side of sort of mindset, is that oftentimes we need God as the master farmer, the master vine dresser, to do Soil work in the depths of our hearts to change us. I need God to pull up the weeds that exist. There's stuff that's, you know, there. Bad attitude towards people that are there that God has to deal with in me. We want to excuse ourselves even maybe. Like, it's not really a weed at I've told you about my grass in my backyard. It kind of looks like grass. It's really just this weed thing that grows for feet and feet, and it's like a rope. But it looks like grass. There's no way I'm pulling it up or it'd just be dirt in my backyard. It has the appearance of grass. And it, hey, even if it's dry, that thing keeps going. Keeps making it look sort of green in my backyard. 
But there's stuff like that in my own life, in your life. It, it looks like fruit. It looks like something is happening, but it's a weed. It's in there. It's kind of deeply rooted, and it's got to be, okay, it may look like something. You, there's, you know, you got ministry, you got people. You do interact with people, but you know what? Your, your heart's wrong. Your attitude stinks. The thing has to be pulled up. There's no way around it. Now, I'm not going to go into my backyard and pull up all those things because, you know what, I, I'm a renter, and it at least looks better than dirt. But there's this, in our relationship with the Lord, if we're going to be the laborers, if we're going to be a patient farmer who's working and working with the right attitude, that's important, right? <laughs> then, then we need God as our farmer, as our gardener, as the vine dresser to to get into the soil of our hearts and to give him access, to give him full reign and authority and say, God, deal with those things in me. Lord, there's a dryness in my life that, that I can't seem to do anything about. But you can. Lord, pour out upon me afresh and anew your spirit. Lord, bring about a freshness in this season where stuff's still hard. Nothing's changing around me, but Lord, you can change me. He doesn't even need to change my circumstances. He just needs to change my perspective about my circumstances. He doesn't even need to change the people around me. He needs to change my attitude about the people around me. Oftentimes what needs to change is just you. It's me. He wants fruit to grow precious fruit not just any old fruit precious costly valuable fruit he wants the fruit of his agape love to be born in our lives because that's how he's glorified jesus says, by this the father is glorified that you bear much fruit in john chapter 15 He's not glorified because you just exist. Well, you're there. There you are. Look at you. Look at you doing your thing. Look at you being all angry at people. Look at you being all frustrated. He's like, that's not, not only is that not glorifying me, that's like ruining your witness for me. He's like, no, I want to be glorified in your life, but let's get some, let's get some agape love going here. And he can do that. He wants to do that. You know, one of the ways that God causes his fruit of love to grow in our lives is actually through times of trial. Trials always test our patience, but they bring about endurance. Look again at verse 8. He says, you also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Just like a farmer has to be patient if they want to see that precious fruit finally spring up from the soil. So we have to be patient as we conduct ourselves in this world, whether that's in us working the field of the harvest for the Lord or the Lord working in the field of our hearts. And our hearts need to be established. They need to be made firm, to be strengthened. And oftentimes he does that 
our hearts are established oftentimes through suffering. Check out what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. Peter said there, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, notice, after you have suffered a while. Peter, why? Why did you have to put that in there? Couldn't you have just gone straight to the, you know, may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory, he's going to perfect and establish and strengthen and settle us. No, he goes, after you've suffered a little while. Then he's going to do it. He's going to perfect and establish and strengthen and settle you. See, if we let him, God will use the suffering he allows to come into our lives actually to make our roots go down deeper into him, making us even more firm, more strengthened, more resolute in our faith, our, our trust in him. Just earlier in this same letter, James in Chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, he said this. He said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Those trials, those times of suffering that God allows into our lives produce patience, endurance, perseverance in us. Not because he's mean, but because he wants to mature us. He wants to make us complete in our faith, lacking nothing. Another way our hearts are established or strengthened or made firm is actually by remembering that the coming of the Lord is at hand. See, the the reality of Christ's return should strengthen us. It should cause us to continue on in this life with endurance, knowing that he's coming back. And he's not just coming in the clouds to take us home with him through the rapture. He's also going to come back to this earth a second time to rule and reign in righteousness here on this earth. So in the same way as the farmer farmer with his or her work, we have to continue on in the faith as Christians No matter what, because we're waiting for Jesus to come back. He's our reward. He's our reward. But in the meantime, we've got to be patient to have endurance. And as verse 8 says, we need to establish our hearts. That's how he wants to find us when he returns for us. And then in verse 9, he says, Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Now, in the context of what James is speaking about, we, we see that when times of suffering or trials or difficulties come our way, it can be really easy for us to turn on each other and grumble and complain about one another, taking out our frustrations on someone else, whether a believer or an unbeliever. James says, don't condemn or judge in that way because the judge is standing at the door. And I just wonder how many things would we think twice about doing or think twice about saying to someone else if we just remembered in the moment that Christ really is standing at the door, that he's that close 
to returning. He's not just at hand. He's literally standing at the door ready to make his entrance. We need to learn from the farmer. But moving on quickly, verses 10 and 11. We don't just learn from the farmer. We learn also from the prophets. James goes on to say, my brethren, verse 10, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You know, all I have to do is consider the lives of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elijah, Daniel, just to name a few of the Old Testament prophets to see that these men suffered and faced great difficulty. What did the prophets do? Well, they spoke the word of the Lord to the people. Whether it was a promise of blessing or a proclamation of judgment, they were faithful to the calling that God had put in their life. And it was because of this calling that they suffered greatly because many times the people that they were prophesying to hated what God had to say through these men. But their lives aren't just an example of suffering and patience. They're examples to us of endurance. You know that word endurance, it speaks of remaining under something. Remaining under a load, a trial, some suffering that you're going through. We don't have to... We don't like to remain under anything. If there's some heavy thing, if there's something going on and we just don't like it, we do not want to remain under it. We do everything in our power to get out from underneath that thing. Distance ourselves from it. I don't want, I don't want to do it, Lord. I don't want to be under that. I don't want to have to keep going through that. And yet James is saying, look at the prophets. You know why we call them blessed? Because these men endured. They didn't skip town. They didn't flee when it got hard. They didn't stop speaking in the name of the Lord. They didn't stop speaking the word of the Lord. They, they did it anyways, even when they were hated, even th- when it was hard, even when there was persecution. We count them blessed who endure. We wouldn't count them blessed if they quit. You'd be like, wow, that was a bummer. They're going super strong, and then they just bailed. They'd just be a, a, a bad example in Scripture for, uh, for us to learn from. Not a, not a positive one. But this makes us realize that in order to count, to declare someone to be blessed, who's going through suffering or trials, we have to have a a different kind of perspective of what's really going on. So I don't think anybody in that day, in the prophet's day, looked at them and said, wow, you're really blessed. Look how blessed you are. Everyone hates you. Aren't you blessed? Wow, like you're living in hiding? Like, blessed. Elijah being fed by ravens. Gross birds bringing food. Wow, you're blessed. Look at you enduring. Sticking it out. Drought comes. The water from the brook dries up. So, wow, you're really blessed. Look at you. You don't have any water. Dirty birds are bringing you food. Blessed man. 
How do we look at things with that perspective? How do we look at somebody's life who's going through difficulty and go, go wow, you're, the Lord's really blessed you. We need an eternal sort of perspective. We need a divine sort of insight, even in our own circumstances, to be able to go, Lord, I'm not cursed by you because of what I'm going through. This isn't a sign of your displeasure that I'm suffering, that I'm going through a trial. Lord, you have blessing for me in the midst of these things. Lord, your, your blessing is upon me because, Lord, I have you. You're with me. You've got me. You're, you're still meeting me each day and each moment. Lord, you're providing me with the grace and the power to keep, to keep going. Lord, I'm blessed. Other people might not see this about my life, but Lord, you're, you've blessed me. So Lord, help me to endure because I want to stay under that blessing. And it's not wrong to ask the Lord to remove the suffering, to remove the trial. It's not a wrong thing to pray. But in the midst of what you're going through, in the midst of the times that we live in, we're not cursed because stuff is hard. It's hard because it's hard. The Lord said it would be hard. Jesus told his disciples before he even went to the cross, in this world you're going to have tribulation. It's going to be really hard. When I think of tribulation, I'm not thinking of like, you know, oh, man, I got a splinter. Man, I'm really going through some tribulation right now. Like, tribulation is like, it's, it's like extremely difficult. It's the thing that you would rather escape. But he said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Let the word of Jesus be truer to you than your circumstances, through what you're feeling, through the hardship that you might be going through, through the craziness of the world around us. Guys, we are blessed. We're blessed. No matter what we go through in this life, no matter what comes our way, guys, we need to patiently endure. And God has power for us to endure. He has grace for us to endure. We have the prophets as an example. If they could do it, so can we. If God could empower them to endure, he can do the same with you and me. But lastly, he gives the example of, of Job in verse 11. Read that again with me. Verse 11, indeed we count them blessed to endure. You've heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. James, are you sure about that? You ever read the book of Job before? I just, just a show of hands. How many of you, after you read the book of Job, said, wow, the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Anybody like you're just, you read through it and you're like, wow, the Lord, that was what I came away with. Very, and maybe you did. But when I read it, I'm like, dang, 
oh, man, Job, I'm sorry, man. Like, that's stink. That's rough. Like, you got the rough end of it. Like, please, Lord, don't let Satan ask about me, ask to do anything to me. Just tell him no. Just say no thanks. <laughs> you know, Jesus speaking to Peter the night before his betrayed, hey, Satan's asked about you. If you were Peter, you'd be like, what did you tell him? Did you say him, did you tell him, get away? Satan's asked about you, he wants to sift you like wheat, he wants to shred you apart. Don't worry, I prayed for you. <laughs> Lord, do more than pray for me. Just stop him, would you? Like, just put a shield, some sort of barrier between me when you've returned, strengthen your brethren. Jesus knew that Peter was going to fail. He knows that we'll fail at times. When we're going through things and we're dealing with hardship and suffering, we're not always going to handle it right. There's going to be moments where we're like, dang it, I wish I would have trusted him more. I wish I would have been able to have joy in my circumstances. Because you know what? The thing that I was stressing out about, it didn't end up happening I could have just rested in the Lord in that moment, whatever it might be. Jesus prays for us. He knows that we're going to fail. He knows that there's moments of faltering. He prays for us. You know, Job, blameless, upright, feared God, shunned evil. Great things said about Job. Satan comes, asks for Job. You know, he only serves you, God, because you bless him. Just touch all he has and he'll curse you to your face. So God allowed Satan to do whatever he wanted with all that Job had. He just wasn't to touch Job's life. He, everything in Job's life taken away in one day. All his possessions, all his kids, everything gone. Except for his wife that told him to curse God and die. I won't make a joke about that right now. I have something in my head, but I won't say it. <laughs> I think in some ways that was also affliction. Like, I won't take her because she's going to just, she's not going to be an encouragement to him in the moment. She's going through it too, obviously. She lost all of her kids. And... But as we read the account of Job, never did Job curse God. Yeah, he had a hard time. Yeah, he wondered where God was at. Yeah, he wondered why God allowed all those things. He never cursed God. His friends are telling him he must have been in sin. That's why God's punishing you. But he patiently endured. And God blessed him. Now that doesn't mean that's the end. You lose everything, you're going to get everything back. Double of what you had before, it's going to be great. That's not the promise from the Lord. That's not what God's trying to convey here. If you suffer, it's going to be better for you. And at some point in time, it's all going to get better. That's not, that's, not, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, did you see what God intended? Can you see beyond all the suffering, all the hardships that Job went through? Can you see God in the midst of those things? 
And you see that God was very compassionate and merciful. You know, there's times and things that happen in our lives that make it hard for us to see the end intended by the Lord for us. God, what are you, what, why are you allowing this? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening in my life? And oftentimes trials and suffering and difficulty can cloud our vision, our perspective of the Lord. And keep us from not only seeing what he's intending for us, what, what he's wanting to produce, what he's wanting to bring about. But also keep us from seeing his character that he's actually very compassionate and merciful. You know, this perspective is impossible without a right understanding of the character and nature of our God. But it's a perspective he can give us. It's a perspective that we can have so that we don't miss what God is seeking to do. Miss how God is good and how he's near in our times of trouble. You know, we may never go through suffering to the same extent that Job did. But we do have to remember as believers that no matter what happens in our lives, no matter what valleys or storms or trials or suffering that we might go through, the end intended by the Lord is not to destroy us. It's not to forsake us. It's that he's very compassionate and merciful to us. You know, learning from the farmer and the prophets in Job will help us to keep working and have patience as we seek to be about Jesus and his kingdom. Planting and, and watering seeds of the word, his gospel, in the soil of people's hearts who are in desperate need of Jesus' salvation. It'll help us to have patience and endurance no matter what we might have to go through in this life. And remember, the judge is standing at the door. Jesus is coming back. And the reality of his return, the hope of his return, should have a purifying and motivating effect upon our lives, causing us to be about the Father's business of seeing souls saved and, and causing us to live lives of patience and endurance in the midst of trials and suffering and persecution and difficulty. These things were exemplified in Paul's life as we've been seeing and will continue to see in our studies in the book of Acts. But the Lord wants to make these things the reality of our lives as well. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. You know, we might look at the example of the farmer and the prophets in Job, and we might go, you know what, I'm not like them. <laughs> I've been impatient. I've been frustrated. I've not really been mindful of the Lord's return. I don't feel like I'm really enduring. I'm just kind of trying to escape. I've had a hard time seeing the end intended by the Lord, that he's compassionate and merciful. Guys, know that this morning, even in those areas where we're going, you know what, I, I, I see that maybe some things change. Maybe there's some areas where there's growth that's needed in my life. Maybe there's some areas where God's wanting to realign my, my perspective or my priorities. To know that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Even in those areas where stuff's not where they should be. And he's going, hey, look, just get your eyes on me once again. 
press into me, draw near to me once again. Okay, maybe you've been sitting on the sidelines and get back into the field. Keep working, keep being patient. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's dry. Yeah, yeah, it seems like there's a drought. Yeah, it seems like the soil that can't even, the, the sea can't even penetrate the soil of people's hearts. It's just, don't give up. Don't give up. You're suffering. You're dealing with difficulty. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. He's there. He's got mercy for you every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Just like Jeremiah Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations chapter 3. Keep looking to Jesus. And this patient endurance, this farmer, prophet, Job sort of example, these are things that God wants to work into our lives. He wants to make be who we are as the people of God in these days. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the challenge, the exhortation, the encouragement of James this morning. What your spirit inspired James to write, Lord. These things that, Lord, we need to consider. God, it's hard to be patient. Lord, we'd rather be something other than a farmer or be something other than a prophet or be someone other than like Job. And yet, Lord, each of those examples are things that you called us to to learn from. There's things, there's dynamics there, Lord, that are part of our sort of normative Christian experience, Lord, as we're in the field of this world. Lord, as we're people who have been called to speak the word of God to others, as people, Lord, who deal with difficulty and suffering and the opposition of our spiritual enemy, Satan, that, God, we need to be reminded that, Lord, you are coming. You're standing at the door, ready to return. Lord, help us to be patient. Lord, help us to endure. Help us, Lord, to cling to you. God, keep us working. Keep us trusting. Keep us looking to you, Lord Jesus, each and every day. And God, those that are dealing with discouragement, they're looking at the landscape of our country, the landscape of our state, the landscape here of the Bay Area even. And Lord, just wanting to sort of give up, to want to move on. God, help us to remember that you've called us to be missionaries here. Help us to not lose sight of, Lord, what you've called us to as ambassadors of your kingdom. Citizens of heaven, Lord, that are temporary residents here on earth. God, help us to not lose sight. The priorities that you desire for us to have of being about you and your kingdom and your gospel and your commission. Lord, we want to see people saved. 
going to see lives transformed. But God, we know that it's got to be you. It's got to be a work of your spirit. Lord, we may plant, we may water, but Lord, it's only you that causes the increase. Lord, help us to be faithful. Faithful in the opportunities, Lord. Faithful with the ministries that you put before us, the people that you put around us. God, those that are dealing with suffering, trials, and difficulty, Lord, help us to see the end intended by you. Lord, that you're very compassionate and merciful. Lord, give them endurance in the midst of their difficulty. God, meet them where they're at. Strengthen their faith. Lord, give them joy even in their hardship. God, would you make their lives, even in the midst of their difficulty, Lord, a witness to those around them. God, bless them. Blessed are those who endure. God, would they experience this morning the blessing of you. Be reminded of the blessings that you put in their lives. The ways that you've worked and are continuing to work. The promises, Lord, that you've made in your word that they can stand upon with complete confidence. Lord, keep us going. And Jesus, we just say, Maranatha, come quickly. But Lord, until that day, help us to learn from the farmer, the prophets and Job. Lord, help us to be light and salt here in this world, here in the Bay Area. Be glorified, Lord. And as we sing these songs of praise, as we take the communion elements, Lord, as we take opportunities to be prayed for, God, continue to move in our midst. Jesus, be the center of everything that goes on this morning. Center of our lives, center of this church. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We commit the rest of our time to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.